Hello, beautiful people. Quick question. Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been passed up for a promotion, but I don't understand why? Or I want to change in my career, but where do I even begin? We know we're not the only ones that have had these questions. And that's why we started this podcast. It's called Career Gems for the Journey. And we hope that as you listen, you'll discover some gems for your career journey. I'm Leah Murphy, and I wear many hats. I'll tell you about three of them. I'm an engineer by trade, a career coach, and an entrepreneur, all while working to stay happily married and raise three children. And my name is Alma Gordon. I'm a brand marketer, entrepreneur, and serial passion pursuer with a business approach to my endeavors, but always with a creative spin. And we're two really great friends that have supported one another throughout our professional careers. I mean, we've been through it all, and we're here to share some authentic stories, key successes, and setbacks. You're not going to want to miss this. Hello, beautiful people. Hello, 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 beautiful people. This is exciting. Week two of this series, dropping gems on salary negotiation, right? This is this is where we are. We're doing the things. And if you're not familiar with me, my name is Leah Murphy. I am the CEO and founder of Career Gems for the Journey, where we help talented professionals build thriving careers. And I have a secret to tell you, and maybe you already know if you had a chance to look at my LinkedIn bio, I am on a mission to help 10,000 women learn how to negotiate for more money. You heard that right. 10,000 women learn how to negotiate for more money. It is ever so critical. Last week, we marked or really put a fork in the ground for Women's Equal Pay Day. And I'm stuttering because it was such an exciting experience to be able to have a real conversation around pay equity. And I got to participate in an amazing project, um, an article that was written um, by a dear, 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 someone that I admire very much, um, Lola. And Lola wrote an article for the Harvard Business Review. So go back into my previous posts and you can take a look at that. So I got to contribute to that article. She quoted me in the article and Lola does amazing things. So I was really pumped to be able to contribute to it with so many other really talented women who are having discussions around pay equity in today's time. So it's so important that I want 10,000 women to learn how to negotiate for more money now and in the future. Pay equity is a critical issue. It's a matter of access to the life that we want to build for ourselves. So we want more decision makers to get in on that discussion. So last week, we talked about the myths tied to salary negotiation. And we talked about three myths tied to salary negotiation. And I got so much feedback that I wanted to make sure that I just gave a little bit of a summary of that this morning. I got some feedback where folks were asking questions saying, can everyone negotiate? Um, Is there a barrier to giving people an opportunity to negotiation? Um, So last week we talked about the myths. And now I want to talk about thinking about negotiation as an internal candidate specifically, right? We have two types of negotiation oftentimes. One is if you're an internal candidate and basically you're asking for a pay raise. You are reaching out to somebody in your organization to say, I am looking to make more money and here's why. Or the other time often, or the most common other opportunity to negotiate is when you're starting a new position, you're joining a new organization and you are getting an offer. So they're offering you an opportunity to join the organization and they're offering you compensation that goes along with that offer. 
So when you are an internal candidate, it's a very different dynamic, right? There's some energy there. There's some previous relationships that go along with being a member of that organization. And it takes a little bit more finesse in order to do it really well. So we're going to talk about negotiating as an internal candidate this week. And then next week, we're going to talk about negotiating as an external candidate. So right now, if you are in an organization and you're thinking, I want to prepare myself to negotiate for better compensation, you are in the right place. And no matter what, right, as you're thinking about negotiation today, these are skills that will last you throughout your entire career. Every time you are in an organization, every time you take on new responsibilities, every time you you know, relocate to a different team, do a cross-functional assignment, potentially take a lateral move. These are all opportunities for you to consider asking for additional compensation as an internal candidate. And I really encourage folks for a really robust career to do lateral moves, to do promotions, to do special assignments. All of these things help you to be really well-rounded as a candidate, but it also gives you an opportunity to negotiate for better compensation. So here we are. So let's get into it. So as an internal candidate, the really thing, the people, the people, the question that I get the most, I couldn't even get that out. The question that I get the most is, can I negotiate as an internal candidate? And the answer is yes, resoundingly yes. Everyone can negotiate as an internal candidate. However, and this might be the unpopular opinion. However, everyone does not have the credibility to negotiate as an internal candidate. So everyone can negotiate, everyone can ask for more, everyone can put the request in with HR or with their manager, but everyone has not built the credibility to make that negotiation successful. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. But as an internal candidate, everyone doesn't have the credibility. And the way that you build credibility is to really focus on delivering results for the organization. So as you think about an organization and what they value, negotiation comes down to perceived value. Now, I'm saying perceived value really intentionally here because your value as a human being has nothing to do with how much money you make. It has nothing to do with the title that you hold in the organization. It has nothing to do with your job necessarily at all. Your value as a human being is simply because you exist. And for me, my value is based on me being a child of God and doing what God has called me to do. That's my value as a human. But perceived value inside of an organization is based on the value that you bring to that company. So that's what negotiation is really grounded on. This perceived value is tied to how the organization sees you what they believe you have delivered already, and where they see your capability to deliver in the future. So I wanted to make sure that we really carve that out. Your value as a human, and I know a lot of times salary negotiation, money, and title can really influence our perception, influence the way we feel about ourselves, influence the way sometimes even that we see ourselves as a person in the world. But that's not the core of this, right? I want to make sure that we think about our perceived value to the organization based on what that company values. So what do companies value? What do they care about? Companies care about results. They care about results. They care about performance against a, a targeted objective. That's it. So if we're going into negotiation thinking, well, I've been super nice to these people or, you know, I'm a great collaborator and I am really good at teamwork, those things are important. Granted, they're very important, but they are not more important than your results and your performance 
to the organization based on your delivered objective. So as you think about crafting your story as an internal candidate, make sure that you're crafting the story and approaching your negotiation based on building really strong credibility. So this is kind of the pre-work to the pre-work of doing of negotiating. So sometimes the pre-work can sound like go out and do a bunch of research um, on external sites to figure out what your value in the market is. And we'll get to that. That's later on down the line. Right now, I want to make sure that folks are thinking about building a solid foundation of performance, delivering significant results for the organization so that the organization sees your perceived value. And once you have that perceived value, now you have leverage. Now you have something that the other side wants, right? And that is, that's point number two. So number one was really build a reputation based on what you can bring to the organization that leverages your perceived value. You're delivering results consistently. You are directly impacting the business and you can speak to those results. And then the second one is to make sure you're aligning your work with core business objectives. I hear so many clients come out um, and share with me that they're doing non-promotable tasks. Non-promotable tasks are the death of many very successful careers. I personally had an experience where I got to a negotiation as I was looking to move into my next role. And what I was able to convey to the organization was that I had delivered these exceptional results and the non-promotable tasks that I had also done were a cherry on top. So what I knew that I could not do is focus all on community building and focus 100% on relationship building, or focusing, focus on um, developing team projects or you know, intern events, right, or is an example, leading employee resource groups. All of these things are important and they help to drive culture. But unfortunately, in my experience, and I would love to hear if someone has heard differently, if you don't work in DE&I, if you don't work in recruiting, those other activities, unfortunately, are non-promotable tasks. And this is an unpopular opinion. Lots of us really enjoy the work. We really enjoy the camaraderie that goes along with participating in these additional things. But unfortunately, it doesn't give us leverage in our negotiation. So if you have to decide how you're spending your time, how you're investing your nine to five, your 10 to six, your eight to seven, whatever time you're spending at your day job, invest it in tasks that are tied to your core objectives and that are meeting company deliverables. And then have a good time outside of work, enjoying other people's company, you know, building relationships, chatting up, you know, folks that you feel like are just, you know, cool. And I want to make sure that the relationship part doesn't get lost because the idea that you have these connections with people should help you advance your objectives. The idea that you have relationships with folks in other departments, cross-functional team members, or members of your ERG should certainly help you to advance your personal objectives as you think about performance. So use them to your advantage, build the relationships, but it can't be at the cost of delivering against your results. So many people get trapped in it. And I just wanted to make sure that we were really, really clear today. Every organization has clear objectives. They have clear guideposts. They have things that they're trying to accomplish as a company. And for the most part, that information is not hidden. It's public information. That information may be in your earning statement. It may be in your published 10K document. Both of these things should be 
either um, on your website, on your company website. Sometimes companies post them on their company LinkedIn page, but take some time to look at the strategy that your senior leadership is communicating. Um, and oftentimes earning report is the easiest way to do it. You can either listen to the recording of the earnings call or you can actually read the report, right? And normally your earnings report for publicly traded companies is your CEO, CFO, executive leaders explaining what their top priorities are. And as they're explaining what their top priorities are, the wheel should be turning in your head to say, if this is the company's top priority, how does my work tie back to the company's top priority? As I'm thinking critically about choosing assignments or getting on teams, taking cross-functional opportunities, you want to work on critical assignments that are aligned to the organization's priorities. First, you have to know what the organization's priorities are, and hopefully your company is communicating it broadly to all of the employee population. But if they're not, taking a look at the earning statements or even the 10K statement for the organization can help you give that insight. And that is almost always on the company website. And oftentimes it's um, press releases are published and you can find that on the company website, on LinkedIn, on lots, on Wall Street Journal, other articles, lots of sources. This is something that I really feel like more of us really need to do, especially black and brown professionals. A lot of times we feel like the information that we get about the organization is only directly from our manager. And sometimes our manager is not the best communicator. So I just want to give an opportunity to enable you to say, where else can I get really important, valuable information so I can make great decisions? Because my performance is what the organization cares about. The results that I deliver to the organization based on the organization's priorities is what the organization cares about. That lays a strong foundation for you to then be able to negotiate. Without that foundation, you may want to negotiate, you may intend to, you may think it's important because you, you know time in role or maybe because you have great relationships, but you don't have a strong argument. You don't have a strong foundation of leverage to be able to bring to the table. So please, 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 please make sure that you align your work with the company priorities so that you have the ability to speak to what you bring to the table. And then it gives you an opportunity to negotiate for more. So I touched on this a little bit in the last one, but this is the third recommendation. And this one is one that I know a lot of us struggle with. So I'm going to go into this one a little bit deeper. I'm going to spend a couple extra minutes on this one. And it's talking about your results. Before I said, you have to build a reputation to make sure that you are performance driven and make sure that you've delivered the results. So your cross-functional partners, your manager, the people who work with you on a regular basis are clear, right? They see the work that you bring and they're like, man, I couldn't have gotten this done without Leah on the team. I couldn't have gotten it done without Lisa or Jenna or Rashida on the team. These, they were all so critical, right? Then you make sure that you're continuing to work on things that bring value to the organization because that performance is currency. You give your performance to the organization and they give you compensation based on your perceived value. So this third one is you have to be able to communicate about your results. You have to, I like to call it, own your own narrative. And when you own your own narrative, it is you proactively communicating about what you bring to the table as far as the organization is concerned. So a lot of people can call this bragging and call it what you like. I think bragging has a really negative connotation. And oftentimes, especially women, get um, kind of a finger wag about, you know, you shouldn't brag. I believe that humility has a place. And that place is in church 
or wherever you worship or with your elders. Humility is a very important virtue, but in corporate America, humility will get you overlooked, overworked, and underpaid. I'm going to say that again because this is an unpopular opinion. Humility in corporate America, often in nonprofit and academia leadership also, will get you overworked, overlooked, and underpaid. I want to make sure that we don't put ourselves in that position by doing non-promotable work that helps to get us overlooked. But also, as we think about our results and we're talking about what we're doing, we're sharing them with our manager. We're sharing them with our manager's manager. We're sharing them with our cross-functional partners. We are communicating with folks in the cafeteria. We are taking the opportunity when it presents itself in a casual and comfortable way to say, I worked on this project last year. I'm really excited about the performance, was able to deliver exceptional results. And here's how those results came to impact the business. So if you can start to work on owning your narrative and really thinking about how you communicate your results, then you have the ability to inform more people. You multiply the number of people who know, because here's the secret. Most people are not focused on what you're doing. Most people are focused on themselves. Most people are individualized. Even your manager is focusing on their results, right? Focusing on what they need to deliver to the organization. And they're going to use your results to help them deliver what they need to deliver to the organization. But if you're not owning your narrative, if you're not showing up with your receipts, right? Your proof of performance, your receipts for what you've done and how you've added value to the organization, then likely no one else is advocating on your behalf. This is your responsibility. And the unfortunate part is we don't learn how to do it. So if folks are interested in learning more about how to own your narrative and how to make your low-key flex, right? Or how to show up with your receipts, because I think it's so important and it's something that we're not taught. So oftentimes our counterparts, um, of all different races, but definitely of the opposite gender are focused on, you know, they talk about themselves all the time seamlessly. They ask for more money every single year, right? Every time they deliver a result, they're asking for more money or asking for additional recognition or acknowledgement. So oftentimes while we're waiting for our manager or waiting for someone to say, oh, don't you remember, you know, Lisa did a great job. Lisa had these great results. We're waiting for that to happen. Meanwhile, we're waiting forever and it never happens. And then we're frustrated. We're frustrated because we're not getting the acknowledgement that we're looking for, but we didn't do the work to own our own narrative. So if it is appealing to you and you wanna learn more about owning your own narrative and helping to really be able to communicate your results in the way that feels confident, in a way that feels succinct, um, in the way that feels like it is a little bit of a flex because you're stating facts, you're telling the truth, right? Um, that's why the first, the first, um, outline, first part of the outline here is to make sure you're actually delivering the results. I'm not telling you in any way to, to fabricate any stories. I'm not telling you in any way to, you know, to make something up. I'm telling you to, to actually deliver the results, which most times, most of you already are. Most of us already are really delivering the results, but we miss the opportunity to talk about the results in a way that's going to be impactful that other people are going to be able to walk away and say, Man, Gladys really showed up. She told me about her performance and I didn't realize she had delivered these last two projects on XYZ. I didn't realize, right? You hear that might be something that is really often said. I didn't know or I wish I would have known as we were, you know, looking for opportunities to promote. 
So if they don't know, it's often because you didn't share with them. And sometimes what I found to be also very effective is if you have a manager um, or a mentor in the organization, your mentor and your sponsors can help to spread that message wide. But it's really up to you to first equip them with the information of what you're doing, how you're delivering results for the organization so that they can then go and spread the word more wide. But if you never do it, you got to assume it's never getting done. So I said a lot. (laughs) We covered a lot of bases. There were lots of unpopular opinions, but I wanted to make sure that I was super honest because I've also found that I know that Black women are trying to negotiate. I know that all women of color and all women in general are negotiating, but oftentimes the intention does not match the foundation. And if you can bring that foundation of solid results that people are aware of tied to the company's priorities, now you actually have some real leverage and you can show up to a negotiation able to communicate your value to the organization. So you can help to influence your perceived value. Without that foundation, having all of the external data, it doesn't matter as much. You need to make sure you're communicating based on what the company perceives, receipts, right? I call it proof of performance, bringing your receipts so that you can own your narrative and you can tell the story of your performance and your values to the organization. And here is a bonus before I let you all go. When you set your narrative and you convey the value that you bring to the organization, Unless someone else disagrees aggressively, normally they're going to repeat those words. So if you say, I'm an exceptional performer, I'm an exceptional leader of people, my team dynamics are always top tier, I am constantly able to take complex problems and translate them into business results. If you use that kind of language, what you will hear is other people using that language about you. So you seed it with them. They're not going to do the work to to choose other words because that requires real effort, right? And what I was saying before is people are normally focused on themselves. So once you set your narrative based on your results, oftentimes people will just go with it. They will repeat it. You might even hear it show up in your performance review. So we haven't even gotten to those yet, but sometimes even your manager is the one who will come back and use words that you have used about your own performance. So that's your responsibility. Go be very, very intentional about understanding your organization's priorities and making sure that you're building a reputation based on results and your performance. And then once you do those two things, now you can speak to the results that you've delivered for the company. And there's a value to that. There's a dollar value to that. So we'll talk next week. And these are These are all focused on internal candidate discussions. Next week, we will talk about being an external candidate and how to negotiate for better compensation when you're an external candidate. So it has been amazing. I will be here next week and we'll be dropping more gems on salary negotiation. So I appreciate you all for joining me today. Have an amazing rest of your day. It was great to be here with you all. This was Amma Gordon and Leah Murphy. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode gave you some real gems that you can use on your own career journey. Come back for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social at Gems for the Journey on Instagram and Career Gems for the Journey on LinkedIn. You can also email us at info at gemsforthejourney.org with any questions or comments you may have.